This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Welcome to episode 21 of Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't, and a lot of things that shouldn't have. So let's get straight to the panel. Joining me at Sarvodhya Enclave is our Ghumta Phirta correspondent, Amit. Hi, Amit. Hello. Who was late today? Who's always late? This no, is not no, the I first was on time. time. And Amit is recently back from Kerana, polling for which closed yesterday. On the phone, we have a Kashmir correspondent, Nidhi. Hi, Nidhi. Hi. Nidhi has recently done two stories for us. Uh, one is a conversation with a Kashmiri mother, where she also addresses how the narrative about Azadi has changed over the years. Second is a piece which is not yet live but which will be as uh, by the time this podcast goes up. Second is about the uh, lives of people living in close proximity of the rupees 5,750 crore Kishan Ganga hydroelectric project, a strategic project a few hundred kilometers from the LOC. So Nidhi, we'll be talking about that and the challenges you faced while on ground. Also on call with us is our News Laundry reporter, Rohin. Hi, Rohin. Hello. And for the very first time, joining us is our newest team member, our campus politic editor, Sumedha Pal. Hi, Sumedha. Hi, everyone. Hi. So without further ado, let's just uh, go right to the panel. Nidhi, since you have to leave first, uh, do you want to first tell us about the two reports that you've done? What were the challenges you faced on ground? And then what do you have for us this week? What was overreported and what was underplayed? Yeah, with well, the first report, which is a conversation with the mother, um, I found it an extremely interesting uh, story to do because uh, it showed and also very interesting story to research because Nagmita Bairar, who's a uh, Delhi University professor I spoke to, she had uh, a really nuanced view of how Azadi has changed over years. You know, it's also a very personal thing. It's not just on the streets. It's not just on the newspa- in the newspapers. Um, so interviewing this mother gave me a lot of insight into how to have this conversation about Azadi because Azadi is always seen as juxtaposed with uh, pro-state slogans or pro-state feelings, uh, which is not necessarily true. And uh, sitting in, in a house where they had housed about 50 militants at one point in the 90s, and to see how they've made the journey across for the in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years. They talk about how they don't, as much as they want to believe in Azadi today, and they do believe in Azadi as a collective sentiment, personally, a lot of them might not host militants anymore because they just, you know, they're afraid that their houses will get blown up. They have spent too much time um, in this struggle for Azadi, that there's a certain sense of fatigue that set in. And that's something also the professor pointed out, you know. She said that um, as much as there's a collective want for Azadi, personally, um, everyone almost just wants to get done with it. And that is a very real sentiment. And something as a challenge I faced while writing the story was I had to be very careful in how to articulate that the family will not host militants anymore. So I had a, I had to go back and forth with the family of how they wanted me to write it because they were very afraid that if by chance someone from South Kashmir, which is the hotbed of militancy and the sentiment of Azadi, reads it, they would be, you know, uh, they would face violence or they would face backlash from them. And uh, so, this, how were and you? Now Azadi, what is that? Sorry, I sorry to butt in, but hmm. how were you able to convince the family? 
since you've already mentioned that there was this fear of you know some pushback if anybody were uh, if people were able to identify them how were you yeah, able to yeah i mean it took me two months i had been talking to uh, the son of these parents and um, he is also a journalist so I, he sort of understood where i was coming from and initially he told me that he had a distant family member who had housed militants so he was telling me the story and the, the like the journalist did me was like okay i need to do the story so when i started asking him he sort of backed off he didn't want it and finally just like one day he just called me and he said you know what they're ready to speak i'll convince them and i think i had the advantage of him being a journalist because he understood where i was coming from um but otherwise it usually very 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 difficult to get them to speak you know because they also want to just get done with it they don't want to talk about it anymore there's also a sense of shame because they probably will not invest in azadi as much today as they did at one point um so it's a tricky situation but uh, but i think it's good to have these narratives out uh, and also for me it's really good to do it because it's not always one general sweep of azadi or pro state you know it, it there's so much a gray area in between that has to be addressed quite different from the mainstream narrative where we are just hearing about id blast militant kill killed or yeah. army personnel killed but going on to your second story about the yeah. kishan kishan ganga hydroelectric project you went to gurez and yeah. you were literally out of touch so what were the challenges you faced on ground and can you tell us more about the story without giving away the entire story yeah um gurez is a very very um, interesting place very different from uh, what i would like so the, the difficulty again in narrating it is because when you talk to locals in gurez they will say that oh did you come from kashmir and this is the question i faced when i came to kashmir they would ask me did you come from india you know so gurez uh, is the, the residents there belong to a particular tribe called the darbik shina tribe um and gurez is part of gilgit baltistan the four partition the four partition and they um what was very interesting to notice was their take on azadi you know they had um they said that they just died of it and they support the indian state more actually they support the indian army they, they don't as much have access to the politics because newspaper hardly comes in there uh, if it comes in it comes in a day later and during winter it it goes down to minus 23 they have 10 to 12 feet of snow so it's again completely cut off from the rest of the world nithi um, uh, sorry uh, going back to yeah. something that you mentioned that people uh, there in kashmir uh, often you are asked whether you've come from india so how do you yeah. deal with such a question or how do you respond to such a question i don't i don't respond to it anymore because uh, i mean personally for me i have it like you know i don't know what it means to be an indian or any of that so i just don't i if it's a question that they just want to know when i came i just answer that but i don't address the part of me being an indian or an outsider but it it's just something you're made to feel all the time so it sometimes they also do it on purpose so they want you to know that you don't belong here so amit wants And, to come in on this uh hi nidhi Uh, hi, so one question I have. I mean, this is just a suggestion, and I know you will go on to reject it. So this is for the day when you are leaving Kashmir, and uh, you know you are done with your reporting there, maybe, or you are taking a break. So you can ask these guys who uh, who ask that, are you from India? That whether hmm. you consider yourself Indian or not, and then we can ask them whether they have uh, 
uh, voter IDs, whether they have passports, whether they take uh, you know subsidies on the gas cylinders, the CNG, the, whether they are part of the Ujwala Yojana. If they are, then what what about their identity? If you're taking subsidies from the government, if you're taking availing all the government services, if you're part of the public universities and schools, then uh, either see either you can go the Tibetan way where uh, they have refused to take uh, Indian ID cards and they maintain that they are Tibetans or cons you know, accept it. Uh, don't you think that there's hypocrisy, there's uh, duplicity in their own statement, their identity? I mean, sure, there's hypocrisy from both sides. I, I don't deny that there's no hypocrisy, but I also, you also can't deny a certain lived experience of an entire society, you know. It, it's not one or two people saying it. If there's an entire population sitting here and saying that, you know, they don't want to belong to India. And there's nuance to it. I'm not saying that, you know, all of them are saying, some of them say it because they don't know what else to say. They'll be prosecuted by their own community and all that. But there is a general uh, sentiment against India. And I think that by just asking these questions, you can't disregard that sentiment, you know. And... I also, I think as a journalist, I probably should not be asking them that because I, then again, I'd be taking a different, like I'd be taking a position, which I try not to do. I do take a position anyway, but I try my best not to uh, make it that strong that's why I said sorry, sorry to interrupt that's why I said it could be your last project in Kashmir you know when you're leaving or you're taking so, a break acknowledging Amit's point I think it is important to understand that people if a large section of people are feeling that there would be a certain reason why and rather than just being very I don't know how to put it being aggressive about Countering them, it's also about understanding them. But Rohan... Uh, I, think, I mean, I'm not saying what Amit is saying is not valid, you know. There are times when I've asked them things, like, because most of them have their children studying in Bangalore or Delhi. And I've asked them, you know, what is what is it like for you to send your children to the place that you are fighting against, you know. They are getting an education from there and, you know, they're probably going to come back here and do good for Kashmir also, maybe. But that has come from a place that you're fighting against. But there's... I mean, they also don't have responses to these questions. They say, it's true, we didn't have another option. I mean, we can't send our children to Pakistan. It's too complicated for us. We will be under too much watch. So for us, it's easier to send our children to um, India, as they would put it. Again, it's one, a complicated one, in one interruption. I'm, hello. Hello. Yeah, Rohan, would you like to come in on this? Do you want to weigh in? Yes, yes. I Nidhi and Amit both और अगर किसी कश्मीरी से आप ये पूछेंगे कि आप भारत में आप लोगों से पूछ रहे हैं कि do you belong to India और उसके बाद आप उसके वोटर आईडी कार्ड के बारे में पूछेंगे तो मुझे लगता है ये क्वेश्चन उतना ही मतलब मुझे बहुत इरेलेवेंट क्वेश्चन ये लग रहा है इसलिए क्योंकि आज के दिन में कम्युनिस्ट से ये पूछा जाता है कि आप क्या कश्मीरी के पास ये क्वेश्चन होना चाहिए ना क्या एक कश्मीरी अगर डिनाई करता है राइट तो जिस स्टेट के अंदर फिलहाल उनका प्रॉब्लम ये है कि वो सेल्फ डिटरमिनेशन की लड़ाई लड़ रहे हैं उनके पास ये ऑप्शन कहां है कि वो अपने वोटर कार्ड के बिना रहेंगे पहली बात तो उनके पास ये ऑप्शन है नहीं दूसरी बात वो हिस्टोरिकल इनजस्टिसेस जो इंडियन स्टेट की तरफ से रहा है वो उसका एक गुस्सा है वो कभी ये नहीं कह रहे वो बार-बार ये बोलने का मतलब उनका ये नहीं होता है कि वो भारत के साथ नहीं है या उनका कुछ डिमांड है और वो इस गुस्से को जाहिर करते आ रहे हैं फ्रॉम इंडिया वो बार-बार इस गुस्से को उसी तरीके से उजागर कर रहे हैं मतलब मैं इस क्वेश्चन को इसलिए इरेलेवेंट कर रहा हूं क्योंकि 
कम्युनिस्टों से आप जब भी पूछिएगा उनका क्रिटिसिज्म जब भी होता है राइट विंग के तरफ से तो ये होता है कि आप कैपिटलिज्म का विरोध करते हैं आप लिवाइस का जींस पहनते हैं आप एप्पल का फोन रखते हैं तो क्या इस नेरेटिव के साथ ही हम लोग मुझे लगता है कि ये दो जो आर्ग्यूमेंट्स हैं जो एनालॉजी हैं थोड़ा मैच नहीं कर रहा है क्योंकि एक कम्युनिस्ट का सवाल जहां तक लिवाइस वाला है तो शायद ही कहीं पे कम्युनिस्ट लिटरेचर में ये लिखा गया होगा कि वो कंपनियों के खिलाफ हैं वो इंडस्ट्रीज के खिलाफ हैं वो उत्पीड़न के खिलाफ हैं तो आप लेवाइस का जींस जब पहनते हैं लेवाइस का जींस पहन के भी आप कम्युनिस्ट विचारधारा को फॉलो कर सकते हैं और उत्पीड़न के खिलाफ लड़ाई लड़ सकते हैं लेकिन यहाँ स्टेट और सिटीजनशिप का मामला है अगर आप आजादी की मांग कर रहे हैं तो आप इंडिपेंडेंस राइट ओके गाइस कटिंग इन योर नहीं 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 कश्मीर का केस ऐसा नहीं है एग्जैक्टली हां इट इज अ वेरी डिफरेंट टेरेन कश्मीर का केस बिल्कुल ऐसा नहीं है इट्स एन एक्सट्रीमली इंपॉर्टेंट डिस्कशन बट यू नो यू हैव नेवर हैड लाइक पीपल कमिंग इनटू योर हाउस एट एनी टाइम ऑफ द डे रीडिंग योर प्लेस टेकिंग योर सिग्नल्स सर्चिंग यू हैविंग टू लिव इन अ प्लेस वेयर योर फेस ऑल द टाइम सस्पेक्टेड ऑल द टाइम एंड आई एम नॉट आई एम नॉट saying that it was exactly it was entirely the fault of the indian state or they should not have done it maybe there was a time when it, it was needed but there is a certain drop that has seeped into the society and there is a certain sentiment which of of the kashmiri society which is very different from all of us bharat ka koi ek rajya bataiye jahan indian state pe ye aarop lage ho ki unhone elections rig karwaye ho kashmir ke alawa aur koi state nahi raha has happened but yeah see the elections rig karwaye gaye ho Okay guys we let's talk about we need to move on from this discussion it's a very important discussion and we need more time for this we can probably do a deep dive with all of us more prepared and with more research on this but coming back to our podcast uh, nidhi do you want to speak about your second report yeah um, so like i was saying gurez is a very different place it's also very different because it's uh, completely cut off in terms of electricity there is almost no electricity in most parts the main town has about 4 hours of electricity every day uh, but that's so it and how is uh, this there is project... a regional connection that's available in the main town but you can hardly make any uh, calls with it um gurez is very interesting for me because like we were just speaking you know i've been to most parts of kashmir where there's such anti india sentiment and in gurez the people it's a very it's a very simple society you know that that's the first 
word that will come to my mind because um, they said they support the Indian Army and they always say Indian Army and not Indian State. And and I asked them about this and they they were very unabashed in saying that they don't know enough about the Indian State and they haven't had to deal with the Indian State, so they don't have to think about it. That was their statement. And when I asked them why they support the Indian Army, their answer was very simple. They said that you know it's because of them that we have employment here and. Um, in the winters, when we had medical emergencies or we suddenly need food, it's the Indian Army which has helped them. So it was very different setting to see how they had also accepted the Indian Army there and they lived, you know, together. It, it seemed quite like a peaceful place. Uh, but today, because uh, I mean, this is again uh, another um, debate that I have with myself about being a journalist. You know, like when we go there and we go with our cameras and, you know, our uh, smartphones and we talk about electricity to them. Over time, uh, with such, more of such people going in and out of their place, they have also realized that they're lacking in something. You know, we obviously go there with this idea that, oh, there's something you don't have, but I have. And I felt like it is a society which is fairly self-sufficient. But then again, when we go in there, there's certain amount of aspiration created. And now the youngsters, you know, they want electricity, they want your... So all the basic communities at they least have it now that they want it and they know about it but i mean sometimes i feel like maybe certain societies are left best left on their own you know they, they're quite self-sufficient and they're quite well taken care of by themselves but, but again, Lydia, in the world that's growing increasingly smaller due to technology that's a little impossible so yeah but i have now the youngsters mm-hmm. want whatsapp and they want facebook and Nidhi Sumedha has a question for you. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably one of the debate that you're having in your own head about it as well. That isn't that going to be somewhere, you know, a denial of uh, opportunities or of resources that we enjoy coming from the rest of the country and that they don't because of, of course, uh, systemic problems there. Uh, but we cannot mm. really determine whether they should be left self-sufficient or not. I mean... Uh, no, I agree. I absolutely agree with you on that. It's it's just a personal conversation I have. Like, I mean, you know, now that they've constructed the hydroelectricity dam there, uh, as, per, as per the protocol, they should have electricity and they yeah. hopefully will get electricity. And I definitely think they should. I mean, especially if there's an amount of aspiration in the society, they should. I'm just saying that's a very privileged perspective for us to sit here and uh, comment about, you know, how convenient life would be if we didn't have to deal with uh, the technological hassles. No, I agree. And there's no denying that I come from an extremely privileged position in saying this. Um, but there's, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's an argument I have in my own head. I probably haven't articulated well enough. But I completely agree with you. It's a very privileged position that I'm going in. But then we have to go into discussing, you know, what exactly is aspiration and what is opportunity and do they want that opportunity? Do they not want that opportunity? Mm -hmm. And all of that. So that's a longer conversation. So Nidhi, before we move on, one last question. Apart from the benefits that the project would bring, there's always Hmm. an other side to the story. So, what's the mm-hmm. other side to this hydroelectric ele- project? What is that? Sorry. So, I was saying that every time there's a new project that brings electricity to a village, there's always an other side to the story where villages are submerged or there are other problems that 
a brush under the carpet so does this story or does this dam or does this project also have such an other side it does it uh, there were quite almost 143 families which were uh, asked to move uh, land was taken and i'm i'm the exact figures are all in the story i'm not going to give it all away but there are quite a few uh, as with every project there's quite a few environmental the cost that the environment pays like for example the fish in the river a lot of them have died um the local uh, fear that the winter might be a little more colder than usual which is already extremely cold because of the accumulation of water in one place um they're fearing landslides now they're looking they, they, you have to wait and watch for the next monsoon and the winter to completely determine the effects of the dam uh but one thing that i did hear um, unanimously across everyone who i interviewed was that people have been very well compensated mm. um so nobody is complaining that they haven't been compensated enough although they've had to move so that's what i found so nidhi how long can you stick around because i want to go to rohin before i come back to you about your inputs on media's coverage uh yeah that's fine i can stay for another 15 20 minutes okay so rohin coming to you what do you think was overplayed and what do you think was underplayed in the media over the past week ओवरप्लेड में दो तीन चीजें लेकिन जो अंडरप्लेड है मैं पहले उसके बारे में बता दूं। फर्स्ट से टेंथ जून तक करीब पंद्रह से सोलह राज्यों में किसानों का बहुत बड़ा आंदोलन शुरू होने वाला है इसमें किसान शहरों को ना अपना कोई उत्पादन भेजेंगे और ना वो शहरों में आएंगे और इसको उन्होंने नाम दिया है गाँव बंदी और उनकी डिमांड सही डिमांड्स है की मिनिमम सपोर्ट प्राइस मिलना चाहिए कर्ज माफ किए जाने चाहिए लेकिन अभी तक इसमें मीडिया में कोई चर्चा नहीं है और हिंदी के कुछ पोर्टल्स हैं जैसे राजस्थान पत्रिका का जो छत्तीसगढ़ एडिशन है मध्य प्रदेश एडिशन है उसमें कुछ स्टोरीज आ रही हैं लेकिन इस बारे में कहीं भी प्रशासन की तरफ से कोई ऐसा कोर्ट नहीं है कि वो किसी तरीके से तैयारी है या किसान संगठनों से उनकी बात चल रही है और करीब एक किसान संगठन और उसमें कुछ किसानों से जुड़े ही ट्रेड यूनियंस हैं वो सब इसमें हिस्सा ले रहे हैं मुझे लगता है ये coming up on ground in gujarat is not being given adequate focus it is only yesterday that uh, we were seeing some news coming in within the mainstream outlets where they were talking about the fact that farmers have threatened the government that they are going to commit suicide uh, so this this protest has been brewing from the beginning of the year it is about uh, lignite mining uh, that is going to happen on the land in bhavnagar this land was uh, basically acquired by the farmers without any due compensation being given to them and according to the land acquisition laws we know that the land needs to be used within the 5 year period that did not happen so there's this long standing struggle which is almost reaching a saturation point but um, unfortunately i really hope that we don't see a situation like tamil nadu where uh, it brews into a violent agitation and then only we hear about it uh, so that is something that was not um being covered anywhere but uh, it's it's being picked up slowly so rohin you were also spe- you also wanted to come in about what was uh, over reported right 
मैं टीवी नहीं देख पाया हूँ पिछले तीन चार दिन से लेकिन मैं डिजिटल पोर्टल्स जो फॉलो कर रहा हूँ उससे कल कुमार विश्वास की चिट्ठी बहुत खिलाड़ी थी तो कुमार विश्वास ने जो चार पेज की चिट्ठी लिखी है उसकी भाषा बहुत मजेदार है और ऐसा लगता है कुमार विश्वास आंदोलन का हिस्सा बने थे और केजरीवाल के साथ जितने दिन भी रहे अभी भी है मतलब ऑफिशियली तो ऐसा लगता है कि उनके अंदर का कोई कन्विक्शन नहीं था वो वही कर रहे थे जो केजरीवाल कह रहे थे और इसके बाद फिर वो भी दिन याद आता है जब सर्जिकल स्ट्राइक के तुरंत बाद केजरीवाल ने कमेंट किया था और कुमार विश्वास उनकी लाइन से बिल्कुल अलग दिखते थे लेकिन कल जो उन्होंने एक तरीके का उन्होंने लिटरली माफी नहीं मांगी है उन्होंने सारा दोष केजरीवाल के ऊपर फेंक दिया है कि हम लोग वो हमारे नेतृत्व कर रहे थे और हम उनके पीछे पीछे चल रहे थे तो जो उन्होंने आप पे आरोप लगाए वही हमने भी लगाए और ये भी कितना मजेदार था कुमार विश्वास ने चिट्ठी लिखी चिट्ठी पढ़ के उनसे उनको माफ भी कर दिया मतलब मानहानी का केस वापस भी ले लिया जाएगा इससे जुड़ी एक कुछ दिन पहले मुझे उस वेब पोटी का नाम याद नहीं आया वो खबर ये थी कि राज्यसभा की चार सीटें जो साहित्यकार कोटे से मिलती हैं वो चार सीटें जुलाई में खाली होने वाली हैं तो ऐसा हो सकता है कि कुमार विश्वास को भाजपा के समर्थन से राज्यसभा भेजा जाए हिंदी में कहें तो थोड़ी अमर्यादित भी थी मतलब कुर्सी के पिस्सू और इस तरह के शब्दों का इस्तेमाल थूक के चाटना तमाम जो आमतौर पे कपिल मिश्रा से हम इस तरह की भाषा की अपेक्षा रखते हैं और एक साहित्यकार हो के कुमार विश्वास इस तरह की भाषा का प्रयोग कर रहे हैं उस चिट्ठी में तो वो काफ़ी मेरे लिए आश्चर्यजनक था एंड वन थिंग दैट आई फाउंड इन द लेटर वाज दैट आई मीन इट्स इट्स फोर पेजेस ऑफ कंप्लेन्ट्स अगेंस्ट केजरीवाल नंबर वन नंबर टू दैट यू नो इट्स वेरी मच्योर इट्स ऑल्सो वेरी मच्योर ऑफ कुमार विश्वास टू से दैट वी वो फॉलोइंग द पॉइंट विच यू द थिंग दैट यू पॉइंटेड आउट दैट यू नो इट सीम्स दैट यू क्वेश्चन हिज एंटायर लीडरशिप कैपेसिटी बिकॉज ही वॉज सेंग दैट वी फॉलोड वट एवर केजरीवाल वॉज डूइंग वी सेड वट केजरीवाल वॉज सेंग बट देन इट ऑल्सो शोज अ लार्ज अमाउंट ऑफ मच्योरिटी इन कुमार विश्वास बिकॉज दैट्स द ईजिएस्ट वे टू गेट आउट ऑफ दिस मेस Uh, which he was left in but one thing which i found was problematic that on april 2nd i believe uh, kejriwal had tendered the letter apology letter and then uh, mr vishwas has gone on record to say that i will not apologize uh, first mm-hmm. we should deal with the 11000 case uh, uh, legal cases mm-hmm. pending against the workers mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. achanak se unka hriday parivartan hua aur unhone maafi mang li hai फ्रीडम टू कॉल मी हिपोक्रेट राइट अवे बिकॉज आई एम गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट दी एनकाउंटर्स इन झारखंड विच इज हैपनिंग फॉर द पास्ट सेवरल मंथ्स नाउ वट हैपन लास्ट नाइट आई जस्ट केम अक्रॉस अ न्यूज आर्टिकल इन प्रभात खबर विच इज द लोकल डेली बिगेस्ट लोकल डेली इन बिहार झारखंड 
and uh, so i would request the read, uh, listeners to just uh, google uh, typing three words uh, naxals encounter jharkhand and what you will find is little shocking because every month uh, multiple encounters are happening in the state and uh, why it is shocking because i come from the state and i know that the state has been in a way neutralized two uh, two uh, years back uh, there was this operation called uh, uh, after operation greenhand this was the biggest operation started in jharkhand so uh, you know the kind of in a way situation was under control and suddenly there is a rise in the number of encounters so two points i would have uh, given the data but the satp website is not working as far as the data sheet is concerned but uh, yesterday's encounter which happened is from trutiya prastuti committee the three uh, naxals were uh, encountered were uh, gunned down by the security forces and two were arrested now this is an interesting two history surrendered right uh, i won't I mean, depends whether you want to uh, count it as surrender or arrested, because three were gunned down. So let's assume that they surrendered or they were arrested, whatever word we want to choose. So there's a very interesting uh, history about uh, TPC, Trithiya Prastuti Committee. If you go through uh, their own history, the, it is it is an organization which started in 2002. and they considered uh, for them the biggest enemy was not the police not the state not the security forces deployed in jharkhand but uh, cpim uh, maoist so it, it's called a splinter group and there's also a belief again i don't have ways to substantiate these claims these are things which are said in the state that you know there, there there was a kind of support to tpc from the police or the security forces because they wanted to ensure that the cpm not the political party but the uh, naxal organization the maoist organization in jharkhand they wanted to weaken that organization so and if you go through the track record what you will find is for 2000 uh, i mean until 2015 the police and security forces uh, hardly used to gun down or encounter people from tpc the numbers were very less and suddenly what we see is uh, uh, this year even people from tpc are being gunned down so something is happening on ground and i believe if there are news organizations interested uh, besides the local media there the Amit, why don't you do a story uh, on I this? I would definitely like to do such story, but it requires a lot of resource. And uh, you know, you would, if you go on to do such stories, you will hit a dead end. So, which means you need. Uh, I mean, if if let's say if we need two uh, lakh rupees to do a story in stories like this, you don't only need money. You also need a lot of resources, and you should be ready. to uh, visit the same place over and over again so that you you know you are you are not under threat and you also get the good story or the meat that you want or that you need so yes if the read, if the listeners want us to do that report they can certainly send their emails and their contribution <laughs> so we should put it up as an nl sena project for sure uh let's see okay amit um, do any of you want to come in on what amit said So, are you talking to me, Kerry? The line is a bit. So, Rohan, Nidhi, do you either of you want to come in on what Amit just told us about what's happening no, in Jharkhand? No, the difficulty with encounters is is just that you just have to be on ground. You have to be talking to officials. Uh, there's a lot of things that they say which you have to read between the lines. So, I find it a little difficult to comment on encounters from uh, from sitting away from where it happened. You know, so. 
I probably wouldn't have anything to add to that. Okay, Rohan. Because I'm in Ranchi now, so what I'm telling you is that I got the knowledge of Amit from now. Because I'm not in local newspapers, I'm not in the news. प्रोमिनेंट जी और यहाँ पे सबसे बड़ा आंदोलन एक पत्थर गाड़ी का चल रहा है और मतलब लोगों लोगों पे रांची साउंड में भी लोग पत्थर गाड़ी के बारे में बात कर रहे हैं और कल इस किसी से बस में बात हो रही थी वो बता रहे थे कि पत्थर गाड़ी आंदोलन में जो दो तीन सक्रिय कार्यकर्ता थे उनके वो लापता हो गए तो झारखण्ड में कई चीजें एक ही बार में चल रही है एंड नन ऑफ दिस हैज मेड इन टू इज बींग कवर्ड बाई लोकल मीडिया इज दैट वॉट यूर सेंग पत्थर गाड़ी के बारे में चीजें आ रही हैं, लेकिन उस तरीके से नहीं आ पा रही जिस तरीके से आनी चाहिए सो द इन डेप्थ रिपोर्टाज इज सॉर्ट ऑफ मिसिंग मिसिंग। बिल्कुल नहीं है एंड एज रोहन प्लीज करेक्ट मी इफ आई हैव गॉटन इट इन करेक्टली सो अबाउट द एनकाउंटर्स दैट अमित वॉज मैंशनिंग इट हैजेंट बीन कवर्ड बाई मेन थ्री मीडिया इज दैट राइट आई थिंक प्रोमिनेंट न्यूज पेपर्स अब प्रभात खबर में खबर होगी शायद अगर आप देखें क्योंकि उनकी वेबसाइट पे कल ये खबर थी कल देर रात खबर आ गई थी वेबसाइट पे तो अच्छा। मेरे ख्याल से अखबार में होनी चाहिए खबर ओके मूविंग ऑन सुमेधा वट यू वॉन्ट टू डिस्कस दिस वीक this week a lot happened um of course we did a story campus did a story about uh, the lgbt petition last week and uh, another case that i was discussing with my friends from uh, the asian college of journalism was uh, the sexual harassment case that uh, was on campus and uh, there were very important details that the students gave me about how much they were fearing the authorities that they went on record only after that uh, they were graduated so these were uh allegations against a very senior uh, faculty member adjunct faculty but um Yes, there were a lot of fears on campus. Talking about fears on campus, there were 20 IITians who filed a petition in the Supreme Court, which was historic because students, for the first time, came forth and uh, sort of articulated for their own right and to decriminalize Section 377. Uh, throughout the fight to decriminalize Section 377, over the last uh, two decades, we've seen that only very prominent, financially affluent figures uh, have. had the courage to sort of come out and uh, then uh, approach the court so i think uh, it was extremely brave of these uh, young people to come out and talk about this and to take the fight to the court uh, i had the chance to interview some of the petitioners uh the prime concern that they had and what motivated them to file the petition in the supreme court to decriminalize section 377 was the fact that there was a lot of violence that they were facing uh not just in the mainstream society but also on campus so these were very important issues there were issues about you know autonomy of them having to struggle to and fight for their own right to love and uh, the right over their bodies and their choices uh, coming to that what i feel was underplayed in the mainstream uh, throughout the week there was this huge judgment uh, there was this huge uh, verdict that came in ireland about uh, repealing the eighth amendment which uh, does not allow women in ireland to opt for abortion so i think the case uh, which basically came forth after uh, an indian woman had uh, died uh, this was not reported adequately within the indian media as well because we don't discuss uh, issues of bodily autonomy of women as much here so i think that was missing from the narrative here 
uh, but internationally it was picked up quite a lot and uh, it was a massive referendum there was a lot of struggle a lot of uh, my friends in Ireland went back home from other parts of the UK just so that they could vote in the referendum so I think it was a very very special day for people who uh, talk about you know uh, third wave feminism and bodily autonomy so it was a big verdict I was very happy and pleased with that so uh I want to speak about uh, speaking about what was underreported in the media. I thought it was the Cobra Post sting. Just to give some context to our listeners, in a series of stings uh, called Operation 136, Cobra Post exposed that most media organizations are pretty comfortable running polarizing campaigns for a fee in return for money. So while there is no way to cross-check or verify the authenticity of the assertions that Cobra Post is making, uh, quite simply because I don't have access to the raw footage or there's no way to check what's been edited, what's been left out, I think it still raises a very important question and media organizations not even acknowledging this points out to a bigger lacuna in the system. Like apart from the Indian Express, I'm yet to come across a news report which addresses this holistically. Also not to mention that Open Magazine, the guy the guy from the Open Magazine who was stung, Carl Mistry, exchange from media has reported that he was fired. So if there's action being taken because of the stings, I think it's very important to address. As far as what shouldn't have been uh, covered, I think it was Times Now's last night primetime debate, which they're calling the Tejpal tapes. I was just astounded to see that on air, simply because it's a subjudice case. And it's a... you're victim shaming, you're putting it on media trial, which is simply put illegal. So uh, do any of you want to come in on that? On the Cobra Post thing, it was hilarious to see uh, Times Group responding. They did respond and they said that they were trying to, you know, conduct do a reverse thing. Uh, I think that was the, the big biggest, um, I don't know take away from this I was laughing uh, also the funny thing about the TOI statement if we can call it a statement is that nobody took byline and not even the spokesperson wanted to be named in their own report which is odd to say the least but uh, we are running out of time here so Nidhi do you want to share your recommendation then Rohan and we can go forward from there yeah actually I'll just talk about something that I thought was covered a little too less Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so I'd like to talk about this particular case of Asya and Nilufar. Um They were sister-in-laws who were raped and murdered in May uh, 2009 uh, in South Kashmir's Shopian district. Uh, just a brief history about the case, they went missing from their homes and 12 hours later their bodies were found near a river a few kilometers uh, from their house and very close to an army camp. Both bodies were, uh, when they were found immediately, everyone said that they were both bruised and bleeding. Uh, eventually, the local police claimed that the women had died of drowning, and the doctors also who conducted the first round of examination said the same. Uh, the locals protested this and, like you know, stoned the hospital because they said that it was uh, it is a little impractical to drown in ankle deep water. Um, eventually, uh, it led to so much protest that it led to a 47-day shutdown uh, in Kashmir in 2009. 
and uh, the Chopin Bar Association then instituted a fact-finding team with sort reports from forensic lab. A special investigation team was set up, and uh, health officials finally revealed that the women had died of extreme assault, violent sexual assault. Um, and the forensic department and the SID together then said that both had been abducted, gang raped, and murdered, and raped even after death. Um, the the sad part is today the family is going through the ninth death anniversary of the duo. Uh, no conclusive arrests have been made, and nothing has happened with the case post that. Um, and in 2009, the case received certain amount of media attention, but eventually it died down, and today nobody is talking about it. And I think the sad part, and I would hold even Kashmir media accountable for this because. It is, to be honest, it's actually very easy to report on encounters and militancy. There's a certain format that you follow. There's certain quotes that the officials will give you. They're authorized to give you, and to just you know write down candid words about it and do a story is very easy. But the kind of murk that lies inside the society, despite all of that, um, is not covered because everything is pushed under the blanket of militancy and encounters. You know. And I think that uh, media, both in Kashmir and national media, should uh, take little more attention on this. Um, and there's occasionally a Katwa case that happens, and then everyone talks about it. Uh, but that's because of the involvement of a party as big as BJP. But other than that, um, I was just looking at some facts, and according to a certain report that was published. In 2018 alone, almost 2,210 rape cases were reported, you know, and none of this is covered enough in Kashmir. And I think that the day, so something I've come to understand with talking to women here is that the day women start articulating their own idea of Azadi, it will be a whole different conversation. And I think the media just does not do enough justice to getting women to talk about Azadi or to talk about their own political views, you know. Um, so yeah, that's something that I thought doesn't get covered enough. Uh, speaking of recommendation, I would like to recommend this piece called War of Words. Um, it talks about the need for journalists to understand grammar in order to write about violence in a less violent way. Um, and it's written in the backdrop of the Israel-Palestine conflict. And I think it's a very interesting read. That it's a piece on the conversation, right? People who consume media should look at. Rohan, do you want to share your recommendation? What's what are you recommending this week? जो कोबरा बुक्स के बात चल रही थी, उसमें मैं दो ऐड करना चाह रहा हूँ। पहला तो विनीत जैन और टाइम्स ऑफ इंडिया का जो स्टेटमेंट है, उसमें कि वो एक रिवर्स स्टिंग कंडक्ट कर रहे हैं, और दूसरा अपने आप में मजेदार है कि टाइम्स ऑफ इंडिया और टाइम्स ग्रुप जितने भी टेंटेड मीडिया हाउसेस कोबरा और रिकमेंडेशन में मैं कोबरा पोस्ट वाले पे आज प्रताप भानु मेहता का इंडियन एक्सप्रेस पार्टिकल आया है वेर एनीथिंग गोल्स और दूसरा रिकमेंडेशन मेरा ये है कि आयरलैंड में अबोर्शन राइट्स बनाओं को मिल गए हैं उसपे हाफ पोस्ट में एक बहुत मतलब एक्सप्लेनर टाइप का पीस है वो पढ़ा जाना चाहिए ताकि लोगों को मालूम चले कि सविता उनका पूरा नाम क्या था मैं भूल रहा हूँ सविता हालापन वार जो 2012 में जिनकी डेथ हुई थी तो वो पीस है आयरिश पेट रिब्यूट तू इंडियन इमिग्रेंट हुज डेथ स्पार्क अबोर्शन राइट्स मूवमेंट ये मेरा रिकमे
Amit, what's your recommendation? Before recommendations, uh, there's a massive fire uh, in Uttarakhand which is n- not being covered. So uh, I think that was missed out in news. And uh, if I've not recommended this book already, I'm recom- recommending it today. Uh, it's a book by Anurag Tripathi on Dera Satcha Sauda, 10 years of investigation, number one. Number two recommendation is uh, Ravish Kumar's uh, interview to Kunal Kamra because of two reasons a uh, the way it has been edited and the kind of responses ravish uh, kumar has given in the interview and second uh, because how not to interview and uh, kunal kamra's interviewing skills which he has already said in the beginning that you know it's a fan moment for him but uh, uh, for young journalists uh, like us we should never interview anyone uh, the way kunal kamra has interviewed ravish kumar so these are two recommendations that I have. Sumedha? Yeah, because we're talking about uh, bodily autonomy and abortion rights. There's a very interesting uh, book that's coming up on the block. It's called uh, Cyber Sexy, which is about rethinking pornography. And again, talking about um, uh, a lot of autonomy and choices that young people in our country today enjoy. Uh, it's a book by Richard Call. So anybody interested in that should uh, definitely read it. Lucid and Funny. So I want to recommend, so there's an interesting debate going on about whether paid news is also covered under free speech or not. In this context, I want to recommend a piece that Paranjoy Guha Thakurta had done back in 2010. It was about a press council report that was buried. It was called Paid News, The Buried Report. So recommending that. Also, there are two uh, series on, one is on Netflix and one is on Amazon Prime, Dear White People and Good Girls Revolt. So these are two very interesting documentaries because one, Dear White People talks about how there's cultural bias and social injustice and sort of this misguided activism that people who are leading the movement are with or it's just deep-seated, so which is something I found very interesting in the documentary. And second, the one on Amazon is basically a revolt which is going on in the newsroom. So how women were not given bylines early on and how they would write copies, which would be proofed and then the byline would be given to the men. So Good Girls Revolt is about that and it's a very interesting watch. So you heard Amit. Uh, he wants to go out and report on what's happening in Jharkhand, which a lot, which has gotten really limited reportage in the mainstream media. And there are several other stories like that, which we would like to cover. We, we would like to send our reporters. Uh, for that, we need money. For that, we need resources. And also when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers and corporates pay, they are served. So subscribe to News Laundry, pay to keep news media independent and free. So that's all that we have for today. Thank you, panel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.